0: This is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. New plans for agricultural education. And we'll learn more about Elderberry. It's a, a big, booming business here in Missouri, and it's taking off. We'll hear from uh, two entrepreneurs. Plus, uh, some legal advice. From the Missouri Bar, when their podcast, Is It Legal To, that's coming up later, Missourians can get outdoors with some help in the St. Louis area. River City Outdoors is opening the Gear Lending Library, a resource that lends outdoor recreational equipment. Cameron Conner is here with Rebecca Weaver.
1: River City Outdoors, um, we recognize that a lot of the barriers that exist to increasing access uh, to outdoor recreation... Center along along the lines of um, lack of access to resources and gear. If you've been outside or been camping or hiking, um, as you might know, has is very expensive, and so it's a limiting factor in being able to get kids and families outside. Um, the lack of access to to quality gear, and so throughout our process of being in touch with community organizations, that um, my program manager Chris Geddon has been doing with a lot of community partners, Um, not a lot of folks have the gear that is needed to get outside, whether that's tents or sleeping bags or cooktop stoves. Um, And so we recognize that in order for us to fulfill our mission of increasing access to outdoor recreation and getting more kids and families outside, we need to address that barrier um, and lack of access to outdoor recreation gear so that folks have that resource to be able to get outside. Um, And so in the process of programs with um, a lot of youth service provider organizations and some of our community partners, uh, some of whom sit on our advisory board, we realized that this is a really key area that River City Outdoors uh, can work in and a really big need that that we could fill specifically. Um, and so recognizing that that was one of the barriers that we could play a key role in addressing, um, we were able to form some really great partnerships. Um, we are one of 13 cities in the Thrive Outside Network, which is um, headed up by the Outdoor Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of the Outdoor Industry Association. And so they helped provide some startup uh, funding for our organization to kind of get going and recognize that our organization could kind of play a key role in the space. One of the other partnerships that we've been um, able to cultivate over the last uh, couple of years is with the Outdoors Empowered Network. And they're in a network that's helping organizations all over the country stand up these gear lending libraries um, because it's not only a barrier in st louis it's a barrier in cities all over the country and and areas really even outside of cities all over the country so we've been able to learn alongside a lot of similar organizations in different areas around the country about how to do this uh, how to do it well what's worked what hasn't worked and so in preparation for launching the gear lending library we've had a number of many conversations about how to set a gear lending library up and how to build out partnerships and connections to ensure that those resources um, kind of get in the hands of the communities that we're trying to serve here in St. Louis.
2: All right, and for anyone who's just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with Rebecca Weaver. She is the director of River City Outdoors. We're speaking about a new gear lending library that has opened up in the St. Louis area. And it's basically a resource that lets you utilize, you know, any of that gear that helps you get out and <laughs> provoke into nature. So it's a fantastic resource great and a great opportunity. Rebecca, where I want to turn with this is we already kind of labeled around it for what the gear lending library is. But can we go into more detail about, let's say I'm walking up there and I want to access some of this equipment. What's the process like? What's the rental? Whatever. Is it free? Is there a fee? What 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 about that?
1: Great questions. Yeah. So our process um, includes, in order to take advantage of the resource um, as we're piloting this deer lending library, um, you'll be hopefully a member of our River City Outdoors community partner network. Um, So right now, rather than launching to the general public, we have a lot to learn in this process, and so we're working directly with community organizations in the region. Um, So we have several of our community partners who are already signed up. Um, as account users in our online, um, my turn library system, which is an basically a virtual inventory. So similar to how you would check out a library book, um, you could go online and see what is available, reserve that ahead of time. Um, And then once the reservation is approved, on our online platform, we'll meet you at the Big Muddy Adventures Guide Shop in the Central West End neighborhood in the city of St. Louis, and you pick up your gear there, and you would also, when you're done with your trip, return it there. Um, All of the rentals are free of cost. However, we do require a credit card on file um, in the case of any severely damaged or lost uh, resources. So it is free to rent. However, we will require like a backup card on file in order to rent the gear out. Um, so as long as you're a community partner of River City Outdoors and you can register to become a community partner on our website at rivercityoutdoors.org, uh, there's a survey that kind of allows you to provide a little bit more information about the organization that you're with or the group that you're collaborating with and explains to us just how you're helping to get more either youth, families, or groups of folks outside.
2: All right. Perfect. And one question that sparks my curiosity, because you because you mentioned that there's obviously not just St. Louis that is a community that would love to have a resource like this, like the Gear Lending Library. Do you happen to know if in Missouri, if there's any other cities that are interested in opening one of these up?
1: Um, that's a great question. And in, in our process of kind of looking around to see who is doing a similar um, kind of effort in, in the state, uh, we We think that there are other gear lending libraries out there. Um, We know that universities make these resources available for their students, and we were able to kind of learn a lot from our intern, actually, about the gear library that they have at their university um, to inform this. And so from our knowledge, we don't have another gear lending library um, that's available to. Uh, community organizations similar to River City Outdoors, um, they're more so gear libraries that are maybe within a university or are only available for members um, of certain organizations.
2: And the wrap-up question that, that I would love to ask you, Rebecca, is we've been talking about this gear lending library that has been started by your organization, River City Outdoors. Can you describe to me the effort of what River City Outdoors is in the first place?
1: Oh, absolutely. So River City Outdoors exists to address the barriers to equitable access to outdoor recreation in the St. Louis region. So our goal is to collaborate um, through collective impact work and the efforts of lots of other organizations in our network to collectively work towards more access to folks being able to get outside, whether that's climbing, hiking, camping, paddling, bicycling. Uh, You name it. So we're collaborating with lots of other organizations um, that relate to the same mission uh, that we have in order to get more folks outside, get people more engaged um, with the nature in their backyards.
2: Okay, perfect. Well, once again, this has been the director of River City Outdoors, Rebecca Weaver. We've been talking about the new gear lending library that's open in the St. Louis area that offers you all sorts of access to free rental equipment for anything that can help you get outside, get active and get outdoors. Rebecca, thank you very much for your time here on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: And for anyone who tuned in late or wants to hear more, make sure to search Show Me Today, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Having enough food is a concern for
3: many Missouri families and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. As many as one in eight Missourians face food insecurity every day. Among children, the numbers are even higher. To ensure Missouri children have the food they need to thrive, Missouri's agricultural community launched Drive to Feed Kids six years ago. Visit mofarmerscare.com slash drive to learn more and join the efforts.
4: I see you finally got a new helmet.
5: I did Bought it cheap online. (laughs) Follow me. We'll turn off here.
6: I'm right behind you.
5: Watch the cars. They can be crazy.
6: Teddy!
7: No! Are you okay? Somebody knew something!
5: Was this young man hit by a
2: car?
7: Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet.
2: It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office.
5: Hey, man, stop flipping the
2: channels. Sorry, I've never seen so many stations. Hello? How's the ride? Oh, it's sweet. I got all the bells and whistles. Satellite radio. Hey, I was listening to that. Navigation system. Yo, you just missed the stop sign. Hold on. I just got a text. I'll put you on speaker.
8: Two DVD players. Hey, man, how do you spell? Look out!
9: <laughs> Near train tracks, stay focused. Stay Alive, brought to you by Operation Lifesaver, www.oli.org.
3: University of Missouri encourages you to eat smart, like a tiger. Use the grill to cook vegetables and fruits. Try grilling mushrooms, onions, peppers, or zucchini on a kebab skewer. Brush with oil to keep them from drying out. Grilled fruits like peaches, pineapple, or mangoes add variety to a cookout. Find more tips like this at muext.us. Eat smart like a tiger. This message was funded by USDA SNAP.
7: Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved?
8: Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking?
7: If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is
10: an alcoholic.
8: Families and friends are suffering too.
10: Al-Anon Al-Anality and Alateen can
8: help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org/help.
0: This is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Welcome back. I, I think I've told this story before. Um, I was big into when I feel a cold coming on to take zinc, and then people were telling me about elderberry, and I found that at the, the pharmacy, and I started taking that. I, sw- I swear by either one of them, it, it certainly reduces your cold symptoms. And then as we've been doing uh, this Show Me Today program, we've talked about elderberry on the program, and... Uh, come to find out, there's quite a few farms here in Missouri that grow elderberry, and and so this isn't just uh, something that was in my head. There are benefits to elderberry, and uh, my next two guests uh, know about those benefits, in fact, so much so that they uh, partnered up to open up a farm to grow elderberry. So joining us is Susan Smith and Amelia Rizzuto. Uh, welcome to both of you. Thanks for joining us.
5: Thank you Hi. for having us.
0: Uh, Susan and Amelia, for both of you, uh, do you have a background in in being farmers?
5: Absolutely not. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm from New York. so definitely no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what makes this story even even crazier. Uh, all right. So, uh, Amelia, I'll start with you. How did you find out first about elderberry and um, its health benefits?
6: So I um, I have Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed when I was a little kid and I was struggling with um, just my immune system. I was on a lot of immunosuppressive medications and I was constantly sick. And so I just um, I went back to school for holistic nutrition, trying to heal my body. And I was trying to figure out, like, what do I do during the winter to stay well? And I read about elderberries. And as I continued reading, I learned that Missouri is one of the leading growers. And so I was able to get fresh elderberries locally and fresh honey, local honey, and just started kind of playing in my kitchen to make this elixir.
0: And then you saw the benefits uh, immediately, or did it take some time?
6: It does take a little time. I mean, you can see it immediately if you're already sick. So, like if you wake up and you're sick, you can start taking um, the elixir every two to three hours. And, you know, a lot of the doctors, they kind of say, think of it like a Tamiflu. So, if you can catch it right at onset, and start like Sue and I both know we just took a cork in our bottles and every two to three hours we walk by the fridge and just take a swig out of it and um, it significantly lowers the duration of how long you're sick yeah.
0: Susan uh, what about you how did you stumble upon Elderberry?
5: Well actually um, by being a friend of Amelia, she told me about this wonderful product and that's how I stumbled upon it is she told me about how she was making this on her sink and it started getting really big and she was selling it out of her trunk and her husband's husband was saying oh i don't think this is so smart because she started having lots of clients <laughs> and um, that's how i learned about elderberry and i was looking for um, natural health remedies for different ailments that i was having so that's how it all started
0: so this started out as uh, trunk or treat uh, selling elderberry out of your car. And, and so at, at what point, Susan or Amelia, either one of you can answer this, at what point do you get the idea of, you know what, we should just open up our own farm and start growing elderberry?
5: Well, we had met a man named Dave Beeler from Elder Farms, and we were buying product from him, the actual raw product of the elderberry juice. And that's how he basically said, You all need to have your own farm because Europe is the only place that has, well, 97% or 95% of the growth of elderberries that are made in the products in America come from Europe. And he said, Missouri is going to be the bellwether state for elderberries. And he said, you need to start growing your own. And then that way, we could also be in charge of the organic part of it and how they're grown and just how much we need.
0: Susan Smith and uh, Amelia Rizzuto are friends. They stumbled upon Elderberry and they decided uh, to open up a, a farm. Amelia is from New York. Uh, Susan has no uh, background in farming, but you've jumped in this. How long? What's the name of your farm and uh, how long have you been operating?
5: Well, the name of our farm is Elder... Oh, it's not Elder Farms, I'm sorry. It is Hidden Holler Farms. We also have an Airbnb on our farm which is our guest house. And we've been in business since 2019, but the farm we've only owned for three years. So we planted three years ago. So this is our first season where we actually have beautiful flowers and elderberries. So it's been been quite the journey.
0: Yeah. Amelia, your uh, farm is just outside of uh, the Herman area in uh, kind of central Missouri, central eastern Missouri. Um, Do you get a lot of um, business from outside the state? Is it mostly in-state? Where are you finding your customers?
6: Uh, mostly in-state, but we've really expanded a lot. Um, so the name of our company is actually All Things Elderberry. That's like the our Elderberry company where we sell products. Um, so we have a website, and we now have a lot of stores um, locally, but we're also expanding into like the surrounding states. And on our website, it's amazing. We get orders from all over the country. I don't even know how they're finding us, but they are.
0: Um, for either one of you, in terms of the benefits, and Amelia, you'd kind of mentioned honey, and and I know people you can you can take honey, and it's it, it's good for your allergies and and all that. And they say, boy, local honey is is better. Are there benefits of having local elderberry as a as opposed to buying something over the counter where it, the product may have come from Europe?
6: Well, it's not a regulated industry, so there's been a lot of, um, unfortunately, reports where people are subbing with, like, rice bran and other things and claiming that it's elderberry. So you're always better off, you know, if you know the people that are growing it. Like, our process is we grow the berry and then we juice it, so we call it our first press elderberry juice, Um, and that's what we use to make our elixirs and our elder honey. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's always best if you know the farm is local and you know what people are spraying and what the regulations are. If it's coming from out of the country, we've kind of learned along the way that even sometimes if things say organic, um, you just don't know because, you know, there's just a signed document or a little payoff or something, something, and you don't really know. Um, Like I said, it's not a regulated industry. So I think anything you can buy from people that you know and locally is gonna be better.
0: Susan, how big is your farm? How many uh, elderberry plants do you have? And give us an idea of just uh, what a typical day is of harvesting elderberry.
5: Well, our families together bought a 152 acre farm and we have five acres of elderberry. So we originally planted 9,200 elderberry plants. So a typical day right now for me is every morning I go out and I look for berries. It's still pretty early um, for the full harvest. The full harvest is like late July and all through August. But we're starting to get some berries now that are really purple. So they're And they're really pretty. The flowers are really pretty, too. Um, so my typical day is I walk the rows in the morning, pick the berries, and then we clean them, destem stem them, clean them, and put them in the freezer and then later we will juice
0: them. I can tell that both of you ladies are legit and this isn't some uh, scheme to get rich quick because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. yeah, well, and I, I say that because and I, I say that to the listeners because uh, Amelia found this by, uh, just her, her health, um, Obstacles and uh, saw that it worked. And then you look at the number of hours and the amount of work that you're putting in to uh, create this product. So you certainly believe in it and stand behind it. And so it's, it's legit, folks. I mean, if you have not tried elderberry before, uh, it does work. It's, it's got medicinal benefits and it does make you feel better uh, quicker. Um, so for either one of you, uh, people that are interested in, uh, trying your product, uh, any suggestions and then where can they find your your stuff
6: so i would say um Well, allthingselderberry.com is a great place to find our stuff. And we're going to offer your listeners um, a 20% discount on their first order if they just use the code Missouri. Um, And I do suggest that, you know, it depends on, we always tell people, it depends on what you need. So if you have some inflammation or if you want something for more chronic issues like chronic sinus or chronic respiratory, our Elixir, I I think is always the best product because that is our fresh pressed elderberry juice, local Missouri honey. We add ginger, cinnamon, clove, and just a little bit of lemon juice. That's all that's in there. Um, And then we also have, a great gummy so if someone in the family doesn't want to drink that or kids sometimes don't like it um, we've got a delicious tasting gummy as well those are our two main kind of immune products and we've got a great elder honey which is an amazing drink mixer makes great mocktails and cocktails so we definitely have a lot of fun stuff to try
0: all is the website and your code for show me today listeners is Missouri and Amelia and Susan will give you 20% off your first purchase. Susan Smith and Amelia Rizzuto, best of luck and thank you for sharing uh, more information with us on uh, Elderberry. This is Show Me Today, The Voice of
8: Missouri.
7: because when you talk, they
11: hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Email from school. about the incident today? Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on?
12: None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night too. Did you have a clue?
11: No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids.
12: Half the time, it's rumors.
11: It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor,
0: Back on Show Me Today, DESE, along with the Department of Agriculture, has developed a new five-year strategic plan for agricultural education. Alisa Nelson is with Keith Deichold, the director of Ag Education, and he breaks down the priorities of the plan.
13: Our work over the past year and a half uh, has yielded uh, four priorities with some defining themes for us to focus on over the next five years, and those would be... Uh, one, a comprehensive reach of agriculture education programs. Two, a quality curriculum and resources. Three, agriculture, food and natural resources literacy. And our fourth one, quality instructors and instruction. Uh, all of those uh, are priorities that were identified for us to work on in the future.
12: Why did you go about choosing these items as your priorities versus maybe some of the other ones you bounced around?
13: Sure. Uh this was a multi-stage approach using uh individuals uh with a uh, uh in business and in industry and in different facets of education to uh come together uh we utilized a uh, survey process. Uh, we utilized listening focus groups where we had focus groups that were representative agri- representing I'm sorry agricultural uh, business and industry. We also had focus groups that were representing representing our students both our nine through 12 students and our adult students that we uh, serve here with our section of the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Uh, We also had some focus groups that were teachers, both secondary teachers, adult teachers, post-secondary teachers as well. And uh, then we also included uh, administrators and counselors out in the state as a focus group, along with our commodity group friends, to uh, try to narrow down and, and take the information that was gathered from the survey, along with the information from our last plan, and say, okay, where do we need to look forward and move forward? Following those focus groups, we put together a task force of representatives from those focus groups, and the task force then narrowed down all that information and landed on these four priorities uh, that were then handed back to us as uh, priorities that we need to, uh, to work toward as much as we can and, and in all the different ways that we can in the next five years.
12: Okay, so this is a five-year plan then?
13: Uh, that is correct. We're uh, looking at this as a five-year plan. We had a plan, and it was called Reinventing Agricultural Education for 2020. And in 2021, we, pulled, we, we, we looked and we said, okay, we've met 2020. What do we need to look at, and what do we need to move forward? And is this plan still valuable? Uh, vi- uh, viable? I'm sorry. And the uh, valuable would be as well. And we uh, we landed on let's just see if these themes and some of these things from that work in the uh, late 1990s or in 2000 when that plan was uh, released uh if they're still here or if we need to change and what we need to do forward move forward and through all those different multi-stage process we landed on these five, four priorities uh to work, move forward
12: so talk about some of the changes growth, decline, et cetera, in agriculture that helped to shape this plan uh, for the next five years?
13: Yeah, sure. Um, As you and and your audience uh, probably know, some of our original plan had uh, accelerating globalization of, of markets. Well, that's still out there. And that's still a development, and you don't see that listed in this priority, but yet it is a piece of what uh, I think is going to be the comprehensive reach of ag programs when we begin that work, uh, as we begin that work to look at, at how we're going to move forward. Um, the demands of the environment and the safe foods. Uh, Those are gonna be a part of each one of those. They'll be a part of our curriculum. They'll be a part of of the literacy piece. They'll be a part of the comprehensive reach of agriculture education programs, uh, technology. So much has changed in the last 20 years, and it changes so fast today. And so um, it'll be a piece of this as, as we move forward. Uh, one interesting note that back in the uh, late 1990s when we created the last plan, uh, decline public in, understanding of agriculture, food, and fiber, and natural resource systems. Well, that one's still on our list. and And we go, okay, that one showed back up again as a major priority that we need to work on. We've been working on that as a as an industry for many, many years, and I think this work showed that we still need to continue that work. And it came out as one of the priorities we need to continue to work on uh, as more people um, in our state and nation and world Uh, become uh, a little bit more removed from their agricultural roots uh, just because of the ability for today's consumer uh, to not necessarily always have to grow their own or produce their own shelter and things like that because of the successes of agriculture that we've had in the state and in the nation. So um, it's still out there and we, we want, Others to understand just as much as we understand about agriculture that we want to we want to sustain and and keep the world and keep it environmentally safe, but yet we still have some work to do because it showed back up as a priority, and then a diverse workforce which that fits in all those things because those so those were some of the themes from the last time, and they've they've kind of morphed into these four. What's the comprehensive reach? How do we provide our instructors quality con- curriculum and resources, continue to work on ag literacy, agriculture literacy, and then there's always a need for quality instructors and instruction. So,
12: Does the plan include, let's say, um, inspiring students to create devices, technologies to help farmers and ranchers, especially because we have um, – broadband is an issue here. So um, stuff that would work with and without broadband. Is that um, a part of this plan whatsoever?
13: Uh, I think that would be a piece of uh, that would fit into our quality curriculum and resources priority, where we try to find those pieces uh, that uh, help our uh, students understand the technology that's out there and what curriculum can we provide our teachers to help those students understand that such as today uh, drones and their spraying, and yes the need for broadband to be able to operate those and receive that data and and send that data back where it needs to be and to operate the GPS uh, pieces of that so that they can uh, uh, not spray a field or spray a piece of a field more than once. And all those things uh, is how we are looking at those currently. Now, that may change as we start studying this, but in our quality curriculum and resources piece.
12: You know, you're talking about uh, spraying fields. Just curious if, if um, bioterrorism is a part of any of this discussion.
13: Well, not currently. But you bring up an interesting point that uh, we probably ought to be making sure that we talk about that uh, in and helping students understand the basics in our 9 through 12 curriculum of how that fits into this, because uh, it's, you bet, it's going to be a big topic as we move forward.
12: Keith Dechold the Director of Agricultural Education for the K-12 Education Department, giving us the breakdown on the plan. If you want to hear more, subscribe to Show Me Today on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri.
10: Calling all Korean War veterans. Join us on July 27th, 2023 at the Missouri State Capitol at 10 a.m. in the first floor rotunda for the 70th anniversary Korean War Veterans Armistice Day event. This tribute is dedicated to your incredible bravery and sacrifice in protecting our freedom and democracy. The event features a pinning ceremony and resource fair to honor and recognize your service. Don't miss this special moment in history. Register online at veteranbenefits.mo.gov to join us.
9: Having enough food is a concern for many Missouri families, and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids opens the door for every Missourian to make a difference in the fight against hunger in our state. All proceeds are dedicated to feeding Missouri's network food banks who work daily to alleviate hunger. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. Since Missouri's agricultural community joined together to help support the launch of Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids in 2017, the drive has generated 11,224,132 meals that have all been donated to Missourians in need. Together, we can get Missouri food products on the plates of hungry Missouri children and their families. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more and join the effort. Having enough food is a concern for many Missouri families and it isn't restricted to rural or urban areas. Missouri Farmers Care Drive to Feed Kids opens the door for every Missourian to make a difference in the fight against hunger in our state. All proceeds are dedicating to feeding Missouri's network food banks who work daily to alleviate hunger. Visit mofarmerscare.com drive to learn more and join the effort.
0: back on show me today what changes happen in your life when you turn 18 today bob pretty and farah fight from the missouri bar podcast talk to danielle drake an attorney at the lake of the ozarks and Deshaun casen assistant city counselor for the city of st louis turning 18 is the topic all part of the missouri bars program is it legal to
10: Turning 18 changes a lot of things about life. When you're 18, you can go to jail for a lot of stuff, but it's more than that. So can we run through a short list of some of the issues that come with being 18, and then we'll kind of explore them later?
4: When you turn 18, I think there, there are a handful of things that you have to consider because now you're legally an adult. You have to consider your, your relationship with driving, your relationship, if any, with alcohol, how you'll handle police encounters how you'll use credit and interact with the financial systems in your state.
3: Danielle, are there other areas in addition
7: to those? Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, kind of goes back to that Spider Man phrase of with great power comes great responsibility. And although you don't think of yourself being powerful necessarily at 18, you do have a responsibility. And as Deshaun mentioned, your relationship with people matters a lot more. Your relationship with people in terms of your employers, your landlords, you can enter into contracts legally and they will be enforced and can be enforced. You can get married. You can, You have to vote. You should vote. You don't have to, I guess. I wish you had to. <laughs> um, you should vote. Um, you need to register for vote, voting. And it's just also coming with that merit of you're now leaving the home and there's no longer someone telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing. It's now you coming out into the world saying, these are the things that matter to me, such as registering for voting, getting married, doing those things that we consider being an adult. Taking that milestone moment doesn't seem I know when I turned 18, I had just graduated high school and I was going into college and I still very much felt like a kid in so many aspects, but it does have responsibility and you have to start thinking and paying attention to the world around you.
10: Maybe later in the program toward the end, we can also talk about what happens to parents of children who turn 18. Do they immediately cease to have any responsibility or what the relationship changes uh, when when a kid gets to be 18? When I was 18. My biggest concern was I had to register for the draft. I don't even know if you have to register for the draft anymore, but uh, there's an awful lot of other things. Is is the Selective Service registration still out there anywhere, does anybody have
4: to register for the draft? To my understanding, yes, Selective Service is still a requirement.
7: It is something that does still just apply to men, it doesn't apply to women. Mm -hmm. That's something that a lot of people don't realize that Mm -hmm. whether or not we agree with it or not, Um, there have been Supreme Court cases that have come down and kind of weighed in on that recently in different states. but it is still just a requirement federally for i'm going to say men, boys, men rather than women.
3: Is that responsibility on you to go to an office somewhere or go online somewhere and sign up or is there an opportunity like when you renew your driver's license or your even non-driver's, you know, identification card to take care of that?
4: Sure, there are two ways to register for selective service. So the law is that all men between the ages of 18 and 25 have to register within 30 days of their 18th birthday. Uh, you can do that online, or you can do that with a physical form at your local post office. But it must occur within 30 days of your 18th birthday. Some of the consequences of not signing up for le- Selective Service is when you apply for certain government programs, such as student loans, uh, they will ask you if, if you've registered for Selective Service, um, and so there are some consequences to not doing that.
10: Let's talk about drinking. That seems to be a popular subject. You know, when I, I I grew up in Illinois, and one time we had a law that said girls at the age of eighteen could buy beer, but boys had to wait until they were twenty-one. Eight being eighteen doesn't let you buy beer in Missouri, does it?
4: No, it doesn't. You have to be twenty-one years of age to purchase alcohol in the state of Missouri. Now, possession and consumption, there are some different rules around that. So for example, uh, if you're under the age of, of 21 and you're in your home with your parents, then it's not prohibited by Missouri law for your parents to provide you with alcohol in a reasonable way. When I use the word reasonable here, I'm not using it as a legal term of art. I'm just using it as a general saying the word reasonable. Whereas other people can't supply alcohol to a minor in any capacity. If you're under the age of 21, you can sell alcohol at, like, a gas station or somewhere that sells prepackaged liquor where it will be consumed off-site, but you can't, like, work in a bar and make drinks. You can run the drinks to the table, something I've seen. And so I served for two, two years as a municipal prosecutor in the city of St. Louis. And so I saw a lot of minor possession cases and different alcohol cases related to minors, uh, usually around those larger events like Mardi Gras, things like that, uh, St. Patrick's Day, and St. Louis. And there was a lot of minor possession tickets given out. The standard to be a minor in possession is that you have, even if you look intoxicated, you're subject to the to the citation. Uh, if you're actually intoxicated, as in your BAC is over .02, then you can be cited as a minor in possession of alcohol. I know that for example like going off to college and the day you mentioned of the milestone of turning eighteen. Typically, you know, going off to college and 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 starting that, that party culture for lack of better words, uh, is something that a lot of eighteen uh, year olds I think look forward to. Um, and that's usually their first interaction with alcohol, and they go to these college campuses and, and receive these minor possession tickets. And while in the moment they might, that may not seem like a big deal, but as you get older and the further you go, you'll have to report those kind of things. And so that's something to be mindful of is you know, short-term gain uh, versus long-term consequence.
3: So basically, if you're convicted of a minor in possession, that's something that could, you know, impact your future college or graduate applications, employment opportunities potentially. So that's a great way to put it. The, the short term gain of maybe fitting in at the party versus the long term consequences of that. Also, talking about uh, drinking underage, we've seen a lot of really just heartbreaking stories. If you are you know, 21 or also under the age of 21, but you're providing alcohol to a friend. Is that illegal?
4: Fair, so you're absolutely spot on with that inclination. It is illegal. It's very illegal to do so. Of course, don't look favorably on that, and especially if, you know, you provide to a minor and that minor goes on to maybe, you know, commit another act. You know, get in an accident or hurt or injure someone, then potentially from a civil liability perspective, that the person that furnished the alcohol could be brought into you know, into a lawsuit. But criminally, can also be charged for providing alcohol to a minor, because again, if if you're not a parent of a child and that consumption or is not occurring within the home, then there's potentially a law that's being violated.
3: Carrying on this thread of alcohol use when under the legal age we've talked about it currently in settings where you're not in a vehicle i take it that driving while intoxicated applies the same or even more so to those who are not even of legal age to drink is that correct
4: that that is correct sir so Drinking and driving, regardless of your age, is, is illegal. And Missouri state doesn't have an open container law. And what that just means is that if you're a passenger in a vehicle, uh, you may be allowed to consume alcohol. The driver can never drink. But again, like you said, for when you're under the age of 21, regardless if you're a passenger or not, you're not legally allowed to possess or you know consume alcohol in the state of Missouri. So that's a risk that young folks take.
3: So, scenario here, you just turned 18, you're maybe catching a ride to a party with some friends, they have open containers in the vehicle, you're not partaking, does that put you in hot water still if you get pulled over?
4: Potentially, yes. I like this adage that we are some of the five people we spend the most time with. If you're in a car and there are five people in that vehicle and four of them are consuming alcohol and get pulled over, the logical inference is that maybe you're consuming alcohol as well. And so maybe not be in that situation to begin with, but also just be mindful who you're spending time with.
3: And Danielle, being at the lake, is there such a thing as boating while intoxicated?
7: Excellent question, Farah. And I think a lot of people sometimes get surprised to know that, yes, in fact, you're held to the same standard as when you're in a car. It's the same thing in a boat or in a car, the driver is not to consume alcohol. So you can get a pontoon boat with your friends and you can have a cooler and they can all be drinking, sure, but you better be sure that you are responsible for the lives of everyone in that boat at that time. And That's kind of that standard and that responsibility that we kind of go back to, which is, sure, you can go out and now you can rent this boat and you can go out or you can take your parents' boat out, take your own boat out, but, you know, you are responsible for the lives of the people in the vehicle, whether it be a boat or a car that you're there with, and that's the responsibility level you have to approach it with, and that's the way law enforcement will approach it. A lot of people don't realize that the sun, just the way that the water moves, I mean, it is different. Alcohol will hit you faster. So sometimes, legal limit, I know we're talking about being under the age of 21. And so there's, you know, that's a different standard of a BAC, which is the blood alcohol content level. But even over the age of 21, something to definitely realize is, alcohol can affect you differently in different situations. And one of them is dehydration, sun exposure, and also being on the water. It can hit you differently. And it's something to be very cognizant of whether or not you're on Lake the Ozarks or Table Rock Lake or any of the other lakes and rivers we have here in our state.
3: And I'm guessing that same scenario kind of applies that we talked about. You're catching a ride to a party. You're, you might not be partaking, but other people in the vehicle have, or have open containers. I'm guessing the same thing happens on a boat?
7: Yes, it, it definitely does, um, especially when we're talking about being under the age of 21. I mean, you've got to think about the context of what the law enforcement officer is going to find, especially to Missouri State Patrol is what polices a lot of our waterways here, especially like of the Ozarks, since it's such a major area. And you got to think about what this police officer is going to be thinking if he sees a boat full of 18-year-olds and somehow you at all have a container or a cooler of any type of alcohol, you know, who got it for you? What are you doing? All of you are gonna get tickets for that. If there's one or two 21 year olds, but then, you know, there's some also some 18 year olds. Yeah, they're gonna be looking at, you know, you're providing this to them. Everyone's probably gonna get a breathalyzer test at that point just to see, you know, are you doing this? And as a 21 year old being around 18 year olds, you know, you have to be cognizant of the fact that that's something that could get you in trouble for that. I will also say the difference whether or not it's a legal standard of just the implication of it is boating is a very recreational privilege. Driving is a privilege. I think that's something a lot of people, especially when they turn 18 or a lot of people even now don't even recognize is driving is a privilege. And when you are on the waterways in this situation, you are kind of held to a different standard because it is a privilege to be out there. You are out there to have fun and to enjoy the waterways, not to create a problem for society where you're creating a danger for other families or for other voters. So that's the way that it really gets looked at is, are you abusing this privilege that you have in this capacity? Opinions and positions stated
3: by guests and presenters in the Is It Legal To? podcast are those of the guests and presenters and not necessarily those of the Missouri Bar. This program is intended as information for lawyers and citizens of Missouri in conjunction with other research they deem necessary in the exercise of their independent judgment.
0: More topics from the Missouri Bar available at missourilawyershelp.org org Slash. Is it legal to? Show me today.
13: Show me today.